Innovation and discovery have flourished at Carolina since its founding. Centuries later, these two things continue to play a major role in creating a sustainable campus. Here, on the Sustainable Carolina podcast, we talk with Tar Heels about the intertwined nature of sustainability. I'm Abigail Brewer, Communications and Engagement Specialist with Sustainable Carolina. Please note that this episode contains conversations on eating disorders, anxiety, and depression. We see how climate change is affecting the world around us. It's on our social media feeds and our news apps, and sometimes it's right outside our own windows. It's normal for increasing temperatures, natural disasters, and drought conditions to evoke some type of emotional response from all of us living here on Earth. But sometimes, stress around our changing climate impacts our mental health. Today, I'm joined by three members of the UNC Eco-Concern Study Team out of the UNC Center of Excellence for Eating Disorders, or SEED. Let's go ahead and introduce everyone, starting with Melissa Munchernoff, Assistant Professor for SEED in the UNC School of Medicine's Department of Psychiatry. Melissa, can you talk about your work, research interests, and what drew you to this project? Sure. First of all, I just want to thank you, Abigail, for allowing us to have the opportunity to discuss our current research project related to climate change and mental health. My colleagues and I are really excited to be here and to represent our study team. My main program of research is on understanding risk factors, both genetic and environmental, on eating disorders, as well as correlates of eating disorders. I'm also interested in how eating disorders are related to other mental health conditions, including anxiety, depression, and substance use. Our current project, the Eco-Concern and Eating Behaviors Research Study, is really incorporating the environmental component of this research and expanding on a novel area in the field. Dr. Cynthia Bulick, who is the founding director of UNC SEED and co-principal investigator on this study, came to me with the idea for this study. And we started it for a few reasons. First, we have seen that many individuals, especially adolescents and young adults, are particularly impacted by climate change and its effect on mental health as they witness raging fires, increasing temperatures, devastating floods and hurricanes, and melting ice sheets. These individuals question if the future world will be inhabitable for them, leading some to despair and many who have become steadfast or even obsessed in their drive to create individual change. Some individuals are even patrolling their friends and families for eco-destructive behaviors, making food choices based on carbon footprint and obsessing about the impact every decision they make has on the future of our planet. Prior studies have also indicated that there is a relation between climate change concerns and specific mental health symptoms, including anxiety, depression, and substance use. However, to the best of our knowledge, no study has yet examined the relation between climate change concerns and eating behaviors. Hence, we started the Eco-Concern and Eating Behaviors Research Study. Yeah, I remember seeing research from Pew Center last year that showed millennials and young adults in Generation Z are more engaged with the issue of climate change and more likely to take action. So that makes sense that some of these patients with mental health symptoms related to climate change are in that adolescent and young adult demographic. And because this is largely a student-led project, let's introduce our two students. Bayu Chi is a PhD student at UNC Gillings School of Global Public Health, 
Emily Bulick Sullivan is an MD PhD student at the UNC School of Medicine. Hi to both of you and thanks for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how this project came to be? Sure, thanks for having us. My name is Bayou. I'm a rising third year PhD student at the epidemiology department. I've been involved in eating disorder research at SEED since 2019. My own research mainly focuses on the genetics of eating disorders and their comorbidities, such as cardiometabolic traits. But I'm also generally interested in different risk factors of eating disorders in diverse populations. So when Melissa was writing the grant proposal for this study, I found it really interesting. So I said I wanted to help. Yeah, agreed. Thank you for having us. Um, my name is Emily, and I'm a student in UNC's joint MD-PhD program, currently doing my PhD. During my preclinical med school years, I was involved in trying to incorporate more environmental health content into UNC's med school curriculum. And I also co-founded a medical student organization called Clean UNC SOM, which is a group dedicated to promoting awareness about the impacts of climate change and other environmental factors on human health. I'm less involved in eating disorders research, but I got involved with this study to provide some climate and health background, though I'm certainly not an expert in environmental health. It's great to have you both with us, and it will be interesting to hear how your different backgrounds contribute to this study. In the sustainability world, eco-anxiety is quickly becoming a buzzword. Can you explain this concept and who it's most likely to affect? Sure. Research about the effects of climate change on mental health is rapidly proliferating, but right now it's still relatively young. And even though eco-anxiety is becoming a popular term, Anxiety is just one of a broad array of emotions that people may feel about the climate crisis. Other negative emotions people may experience related to the climate crisis include eco-grief or eco-fear or anger or sadness. Some people collectively describe these as eco-emotions. For the narrow subset of emotions we are investigating in our study, we're using the term eco-concern. These emotions re uh, related to the climate crisis can theoretically affect anyone. We do know from some previous studies that younger people, people who are very knowledgeable about climate issues, and people who live in places that experience extreme weather events are all more likely to experience eco-concern. Some other research has found that consuming lots of content about climate issues may also exacerbate these emotions, which I imagine many people may have experienced anecdotally. I do like that term, eco-emotions, and like any emotion, how you feel about the environment can change at any given time, depending on weather events, season, and things like that. When I first contacted you all about this research, I mentioned that my colleague, our sustainability analyst, and I were interested in learning more about the topic. Part of the reason for that is a conversation that we had after attending Appalachian State University's Energy Summit. On the car ride home, we reflected on the quality of the meals, all of which were very delicious and they were all vegetarian. Um, so that conversation evolved into one about people who actively avoid eating, let's say, meat because of the greenhouse gas emissions. A recent study out of UC Berkeley estimated that animal agriculture accounts for about 15% of global greenhouse gas emissions. And there are people who avoid purchasing food with plastic packaging or limit food purchasing for fear of being wasteful. 
Can you talk a little bit about when these types of behaviors might begin to be concerning and might cue in a medical practitioner into disordered eating patterns? Unfortunately, eco-anxiety, or what we're calling eco-concerns, is now being seen in treatment centers for all sorts of mental health conditions, where individuals who already experience, say, disordered eating may further restrict their intake based on the ecological impact of food choices. These behaviors can in turn contribute to eating disorders. They may exacerbate an existing illness, may hinder recovery, and even complicate treatment by further restricting the foods that these individuals view as acceptable in their recovery. Through this study, we will delve deeper into understanding how national and global climate issues have become intertwined with disordered eating so that we may better serve individuals at high risk for disordered eating and raise awareness of this new facet of eating disorders. And are there certain segments of communities that you're concerned with? Do you have an idea of what factors might play a role in eco-anxiety and development of eating disorders? Yeah, so as your listeners are probably aware, um, it's very well established that the climate crisis impacts the health of different groups of people in distinct and inequitable ways, which is why the concept of climate justice exists in the first place. But given the paucity of existing research about how climate change impacts people's eating behaviors, we're really interested in using this study to figure out the answer to those questions that you asked. Individually, there's been an enormous amount of research into what factors influence the development of eating disorders, including a ton done at UNC. And as we've already discussed, a smaller amount of research exists looking at the factors that influence the development of eco-anxiety and other eco-emotions. But we really don't yet know in any formal quantitative way what factors might cause those two phenomena to co-occur and result in the clinical picture that Melissa described earlier. All right. So I take it that's where the survey comes in. Let's get into the survey. I came across it online. Again, my colleague and I were intrigued. We both took it. Can you talk about how inclusive the inclusion criteria is and why you made that decision? Young adults helping at the forefront of bringing awareness about climate change and health. However, we know that these concerns do not end in young adulthood. Thus, to gain a greater understanding of how concerns about climate change, both general and those specific to eating, were related to eating behaviors, we wanted to include all individuals who are at least 18 years old. So far, we have recruited a very wide age range, where some participants are in their 80s, which is pretty cool. If we could recruit more participants and have a bigger sample, we'll be able to test if eco-concern differs across age groups which can help us further identify individuals who have high risks. It will also help us to see how equal concerns are associated with eating behaviors across multiple ages. When I was in grad school, I had peers who chose to create surveys as part of their thesis projects. It's kind of an art form drafting survey questions, and I think this is especially true when it comes to writing questions involving sensitive topics like anxiety, depression, and eating disorders. Can you describe the process for drafting questions? It was an interesting process. Um, We decided what questions we wanted to ask in this questionnaire during a series of meetings attended by both clinicians with expertise treating eating disorders and by people with more environmental health background. In addition to asking general demographic questions, we knew that we needed to use established measures to assess whether respondents have any eating disorder features and to gauge how they feel about climate change at baseline. For the latter, we used the 10-item climate change worry scale published by Alan Stewart in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health in 2021. But then coming up with the new questions that merged these two arenas was the interesting part. 
We wrote 10 questions and they cover all kinds of food and climate related topics, such as avoiding meat and other animal products, trying to eat only organic food, avoiding excessive packaging, etc. A lot of these questions were driven by what the clinicians in the room had heard from their patients. And is there anything that you're anticipating in your initial findings? When will you be able to look at some of that preliminary data? We're in the early stages of looking at preliminary data, so I cannot tell you yet what we have found. However, based on some prior studies, we anticipate having three overarching themes underlying the data. First, we expect that individuals who have a higher level of general eco-concern will also have a higher level of eating specific eco-concern, as individuals who are generally worried about climate change might be more likely to change their eating behaviors due to eco-concern. We also expect to see significant associations between eco-concern, especially eating-related eco-concern, with disordered eating, which means that participants who have higher levels of disordered eating will also have higher scores for eating-related eco-concern. One reason is that our scale should capture some sort of disordered eating behaviors. Another reason is that some previous studies have found that certain types of diet, such as vegetarian diet, were associated with disordered eating. Although not everyone on a vegetarian diet does so out of equal concern, we think we'll still see a correlation between equal concern and disordered eating. And lastly, we anticipate that female participants will have a higher score on eating-related equal concern than male participants. This is based on findings from the original Climate Change Warrior School paper, where researchers found that female participants showed higher climate change warrior scores than males. One thing to note is that so far, the majority of our sample is female, which may indicate that women show more interest in this topic than men. Thus, they may be more willing to take this survey. Currently, we are still working on data collection and analysis and preparing the results for dissemination to the scientific and general communities. But hopefully, we will have a manuscript published in the coming months. We'll be happy to share our final results with your listeners then. Yeah, that would be great to hear those final results. In the long term, how do you hope these results will benefit the fields of sustainability and medicine? Everyone on our team is acutely aware that conducting this research is not going to solve the climate crisis, but we think it will contribute to the important and quickly growing pool of knowledge about how climate change impacts human health, both mental and physical. I also think it's a really beautiful example of how pretty much anyone with expertise in a non-climate topic can incorporate climate change into their research program. SEED is a center of excellence for eating disorders, not for climate change research. But despite that, the folks at SEED have found a very legitimate and important topic to research that blends their expertise expertise with the public health crisis that climate change poses. We also hope that the results of this work will be helpful to other researchers and clinicians who are seeing these issues in their daily practice, and that it might foster new related projects looking into how we can help people who are experiencing both eco-concern and eating disorders. Yeah, and one of the things that I especially liked about the delivery of the survey was the blog post from UNCC, which has a portion that reads, as the world continues to warm, the seed research team hopes to understand more about climate concerns in youth and adults and explore ways to funnel those concerns into action and agency rather than powerlessness and despair. Why is it that some people seem more resilient than others to the feelings of powerlessness that come with climate change? That is a great question and one that we do not yet know the answer to, the direct answer to. However, based on what we know about behavior in general and mental health, it is likely due to a combination of both genetic and environmental factors. 
even if someone may be at high genetic risk or have a high genetic predisposition for certain mental health conditions, their engagement with their family, their friends, peers, and various organizations related to climate change advocacy, that our understanding of their beliefs about climate change and how that may influence their mental well-being is absolutely critical. It's important to note that there are numerous resources available here at UNC, including the Nature Rx through CAPS, that can help manage any concerns one may have about climate change and mental health. Having a good support system in place is important for overall well-being and can assist in reducing feelings of powerlessness that may clum around concerns over climate change. And are there things that we can be doing as a community to make sure that those who need support have access to it? In terms of things that we can do as a community, I think anyone with any knowledge about the climate crisis would agree that there are most definitely more things that humans can and should be doing. But anecdotally, I think many people who feel eco-anxiety or other eco-emotions benefit from taking action and feeling like they're helping to tackle the problem even in small local ways. Apart from that, engaging in conversations with each other about these issues and spreading awareness like on this podcast about the resources that are available to folks who might need support are the most important things that we can do. For those interested in participating in this research, where can they find the survey and how long does it take to complete? It's very easy. Participants can visit UNCC Twitter account at UNCCEED or our blog website at uncexchanges.org to find the survey link. Participants can also email us at ecoconcern at unc.edu to receive the link to the survey. It usually takes 10 to 15 minutes to finish, so it's quite short. I'll provide the link to the EcoConcern survey in the show notes. As a reminder, individuals who are 18 or older can take the study survey. Thank you again for being here on the Sustainable Carolina podcast. Melissa, Bayou, and Emily. Hopefully, this episode sheds some light on eco-concern. It certainly takes an interdisciplinary approach to understand the relationship between climate change and mental health. As our world continues to experience a changing climate, it will certainly be an important issue to address. Join us next month for another episode of the Sustainable Carolina podcast.